Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mama's Pearls. If this is your first time, welcome. Thank you for joining us here, and um, and welcome to our little community. If you're if you're back and joining us again, hope everyone is just doing well. Thank you for joining us here at Mama's Pearls. Here at Mama's Pearls, we like to say that we take the most beautiful pieces of life and string them together. And basically what we try to do is remember and pass down the generational wisdom. And with me today is my very, very best friend, Melissa Goldberg. Melissa? Hi, everybody. Hey, Melissa. You could also refer to me as Miss M. Gems. Miss M. Gems. And basically what we do here is Mama's Pearls is basically a family brand series. We start our week on Facebook with different chats about the theme of the week. Then it continues on Tuesdays with the Mama's Pearls blog. And then we have our radio show here today. And then Melissa follows up with her M's Gems blog on, on Friday. So, Melissa, what, how, how do you describe M's Gems? Um, well, I think it's applying all the great information and storytelling and a lot of the material that we cover throughout the week and putting it into more practical form. Uh, you know me, I'm the queen of bullet points, and so it allows us to really walk away with, you know, what can we learn or what, you know, we try not to set it up as advice or telling people what to do, but even just taking the, the, the interesting concepts and thoughts that we pull out each week and putting them down in a long list. Right. So where Melissa and I are kind of like the yin and the yang, and our, our life and friendship has always been like that. We've known each other for always over 20 years, and we always seem to just like, I don't know, run like parallel but little bit different types of lives. And so where I see things and where I write Mama's Pearls from the more spiritual storytelling side, Melissa's really focused on breaking it down and having it much more like a practical application for your daily life. So make sure you also catch M's Gems, which is posted on Friday. And we're going to take a little bit moment and give some snaps to both Melissa and I for um, for Mama's Pearls being nominated as a most inspiring blog. We're up for an award through Social Lux Lounge. We're both very excited about it. And basically you can vote once a day until July 12th. And at www.sociallux and it's l-u-x-e lounge.com, you can find the direct link through our website, which is um, www.mamaspearls.com. It's like right there on the left. So we totally appreciate your support, and we're both very excited to be nominated. And um, just. 
recapping last week, I know we've all come off of a holiday weekend, and we're going to dive into the weekend and this week's topic in a minute. But last week we had Rhyme Time, and it was a closeout celebratory show that we did in honor of Father's Month, as last month was in honor of the fathers, and the month of May was in honor of the mothers, obviously for Mother's Day and Father's Day. And we had such a fun guest on with us for rhyme, the Rhyme Time show in celebrating the Pearl of the Day, which was In Harmony We Should Shine. And our guest is L.J. Martin, and he is what ha- my friend Lisa has called a cross between Dar- Dr. Martin Luther King and Dr. Seuss. And, you know, you kind of hear that, and you're like, well, what, what is that? But it's exactly how it sounds. I don't know, Melissa, what did you think of L.J., or Uncle Jake, as he calls um, I, I thought he was uh, he was a blast. I think he's um, he's very inspiring. I wish he was right here in our local area because I would have definitely loved to seen him in action with children. His songs are, you know, moving and grooving, and they have a great message that comes through. And I think um, that's that's if we can play music for the children and give them a little bit of education underneath without them seeing it. Um, I fully support it but um he was fun he was he was he was a barrel of laughs he was a he was such a warm and friendly guy what do you think yeah exactly he was just so welcoming and he's like he seems like the type of guy that you just want to go and give a hug to and he just like he just emanates that he just wants everybody to be happy and through his work he wants to just uplift the world particularly children and he's working instead of from a trickle down the fact he's working from the bottom up, where not that the kids are the bottom, but at the bottom of, uh, I guess, the stepping stone pathways. And his whole work is around being a poetic inspirator. And we heard a lot about his background, which is growing up in, a, in the time where there was the civil rights movement and massive segregation he grew up in in Mississippi. And just hearing that and being taken back to that time where 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 racial disharmony really was rampant was just it was educational, it was informative and it really was inspiring to see how he's come out through the other side of it instead of being so rage rageful and hateful, he's really so inspiring and wanting to just uplift the world and take people out of hate. So it was a really, really fun show. And I got to play one of his his songs called um, the Smiley Smile Song. And basically it's just exactly what it sounds. He wants everybody to just be smiling all the time and turn your frowny frowns upside down. So if you want a little bit of a taste of L.J. Martin, please go to the archives and check out the Rhyme Time, the Rhyme Time show. And, you know, coming off of the celebration of Father's Month and going right into the celebration of Independence Day um, for America, obviously here and in the in the States, and if you're abroad, you know, I'm sure you, most countries have their own versions of an Independence Day or where they're celebrating, but I think everyone can really relate to the notion of striving for independence and, you know, that usually translates and means um, or is synonymous with freedom. And, Melissa, when we were brainwashing, that's what <laughs> – can you tell – because every time I say, like, that we're, we're brainwashing, people, like, look at me like we're the most sinister people on the planet. But can you please tell people how that came up? Well, <laughs> it's <yeah>. all you. <laughs> 
Well, first of all, I think it's a little bit of a Freudian slip if you were going to put in any uh, content. But, you know, what's interesting is before I became part of the process or jumped on the team or the bandwagon, I was an avid fan. You know, I'd tune in each week and I would wait for the blog to come each week. And so that was – but what I felt was we could do just a little bit more. Like, okay, I'm getting all this and it's wonderful and I I appreciate it, but – I want to, like, lay it down. And so um, the last time I joined in on the hosting end or as a guest, um, I guess my that was when you had laryngitis. And then um, I said, hey, I have an idea. And you said, no, that's my idea. And the next thing you know, we just found ourselves sitting down. And I found myself immersed in being a little bit getting into my spiritual side, which I mm-hmm. always try to refrain from. But um, so it wasn't literally brainwashing, but definitely you've um, – you definitely piqued my interest in being a little bit more the spiritual type. And I think over the last couple of weeks, I've gotten you to use a couple of bullet points. Bullet, <laughs> bullet points. So um, I think we're, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, you got your peanut butter in my chocolate going on here. <laughs> and the, the, okay, so the funniest part about, everything is I mean this is just how Melissa and I work I mean we usually have our weekly lunch meetings anyway where we just catch up and and support each other if we need supporting or help each other laugh or cry or or whatever it is like I said we've been friends for over 20 years we just know each other so well and we've gotten into the into a really good rhythm and I've been writing um, the Mama's Pearls blog for over a year and I always talk to Melissa even before she came on for M's Gems about the topics and what I was going to go into and get her take on things and I really realized in the blogging world that one it's, it's helpful when you have more frequent posts and also when you do have bullet points that that seems to be what goes what goes viral and what people really catch on to and that's not my style of writing you know (laughs) surprise surprise if you've read any of my my blogs like I like having my highlighted things but I'm more literally about stringing the themes together rather than like bullet pointing it that's just my that's just my style and um and I'm I'm just more into the flow of it whatever it's just it's just is how it is and so I was like Melissa you know I'm at the point where I want to expand Mama's Pearls I think it's ready it's you know we have a nice following now and I was like but what I really what really needs to happen is to bring somebody on to like write a top 10 list and Melissa was like well you know I've been thinking about doing a blog or doing something kind of like that with writing and I was like hello and she was like can I do it and I was like is that even a question like (laughs) So Melissa was hired on the spot, and for me, watching you do M's Gems and seeing what's coming coming through from, from your side and, and seeing that creative side, because Melissa is very much a businesswoman, and she does have this creative side, which I've seen come out at, like, birthday parties when she does her gifts and all this kind of stuff. But um, but to see you do it each week and what's coming through with M's Gems has been just just so beautiful to watch and I think you're doing just such an amazing job and really creating creating your own mini brand and I'm just like I'm just happy to say like I totally discovered her (laughs) I'm totally going to take full credit for that well I think it's it's so nice to sit down and immerse yourself and just think about a topic and put things on paper and again I, I work very hard to not be I think you should do this I think it's more about 
you know, these are just basic thoughts and, and, and thoughts that everybody has. And so what I put on paper is not an opinion paper. It's more of a spiritual piece, but in a very organized way. It's so organized and it's practical and it's relatable, and that's really what we're trying to do with, with you know, the the whole Mama's Pearls brand is break things down that all of us may be, you know, swimming in our heads with or wrestling with or struggling with and some of the stuff one of one of my um one of the members of our of our Facebook community who's been a follower of Mama's Pearls was like, you know, you guys talk about the things that I think about but never really have an opportunity to talk about and discuss. And that just made me feel so good that we're you know, we're not just you know, sometimes I feel like I'm going a little crazy and having like little crazy moments, but that we're really touching upon issues that are on people's minds and do mean a lot and are in any way helpful. And we always try and bring in really interesting and inspiring and informative guests to help illuminate the point. And, you know, that's really, that's really what we're here for. So if you want to chat with us, Today on Mama's Pearls, you get both Melissa and I. It's like double double feature bonus. You can call in at 347-327-9450. So Melissa was really the one who came up with the idea for doing a stepping stones, basically a pathway to yourself for independence. And it was, again, around the themes of um, celebrating Independence Day and then also taking a look at what else is going on the season. Um, and basically there's just like you have great graduations, you have your kids going off to camp. There's so many like of these mini milestones that are happening culminating in June, in July, and off of the summer. And summer is like, you know, the, the quintessential season for freedom and we just we just wanted to really honor and explore that and get a little bit get a little bit deeper and when i was personally thinking about independence i was thinking about like child development and how you're constantly working to master different phases and different very very small skills very different baby steps to get and become more independent. I mean, we're born into this world. They cut the cord, and I talk about this on the blog this week. You cut the cord, and you take your gas with first first air, and it's your first step towards independence. But there you are as this little itty-bitty newborn, and you're completely a dependent being on your your mother and the people, your parents and the people around you and your caretakers. You can't, you really can't, can't do anything. I mean, there, you have some natural innate reflexes, you know, swallowing, burping, most of them revolve around bodily functions, um, but you can't feed yourself you know you need either your mother's milk or you need a, a bottle with formula and you need people constantly taking care of you and it led, to, led me to really think like when do we really become free and what is what is the the cornerstone for freedom is it that you're completely independent and don't need anybody is that what it is or is it more of just a state of mind? Or is it more when you get to a stage when you have a healthy relationship with your parents? And when it, we really got into it, it was like, okay, it kind of comes in, in steps. We talk a little bit about the newborn phase with baby steps. Then you have like your little stepping stones. Then you get to a point where you're throwing stones. Then you get to a point where you're totally rocking out. And then you have your boulder. 
and then you have your little pebbles. So that's a little bit about what we're going to explore today. So in the baby steps phase, Melissa, being that you're a mother of, of three kids, two of whom are twins, um, and the twin thing is a really interesting catch with the independence because, you know, there's like two at once, so they have to be independent, but they're like so connected with each other. So how do you really see your kids um, taking their baby steps? Well, it's so funny. When I found out I was having my third, um, after the shock set in, I remember, I think it was a holiday, I'm not sure which holiday, maybe Thanksgiving, around Thanksgiving time. And, I, you know, you start to think, oh, goodness, I'm just starting to be able to eat a meal once in a blue moon. Like, how am I going to bring another baby into this whole mix? And uh, we were at a family dinner, and uh, the twins finished eating their three bites of food. And they said, can we go downstairs and play? And they were like, just just turn two. And I said, okay. And they kind of got off them the table, and they went downstairs. And it was the first time I sat and had a full meal, I had dessert, I had a cup of coffee, and I looked at my husband, I'm like, all right, we can do this. We can bring another one in the mix. So, um, uh, you know, I definitely, it, it, it's so, it's one, it's it's a huge balance between encouraging independence, but also you want to keep a watchful eye and you want to, you know, kind of hang on to those kids. And sometimes you just don't have time to teach them independence. Um, right now, I know you and I have talked about this a lot, the I do it or the, and my daughter says, my do it stage, you know, and I just think about myself a couple of weeks ago, standing in pouring rain, and I just want to get the baby into her car seat, and she's like, my do it, my do it, I'm like, I really don't have time for you to my do it right now. <laughs> Wait, it's, it's my do it, okay, so that's her basically saying... I do it. My daughter's version of I do it myself. I do it myself. I do it it myself. And so when the rain is pouring down on your head and you just want to get her buckled into the car seat (laughs) and get on the road because you're already about 25 minutes late, um, that my do it stage is uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you want to encourage independence, but at the same time, this is not a good time for you to figure this out in yourself. So um, I think that once they hit, I think it's, it's, it's a misconception about terrible twos. It's more like, it's where they start to see this is where they really emerge in independence after they hit two because they're ready to take on the world right although looking back um you know looking looking back at like our kids now who are two and up um and then seeing how far they've actually come because i look at my niece who's going on all of nine months and she is fighting and kicking and like not, I mean, not that she's an aggressive because she's like the most chill baby on the planet. And like, whatever, I'm obsessed with her. If you haven't noticed here, mom is probably talking about my niece a lot. Um, but she is fighting to do like everything on her own. She's very quiet about it, but she wants to pull herself up to stand. She wants to talk. She shows loving, you know, being fed real people food, um, even though it's mashed up versions. And that in itself is the innate and natural instinct for independence, to do these things on your own. She sits and she watches and she sees her bigger cousins running around and going and feeding themselves. And you could just tell that she cannot wait to be in the mix and doing it herself. Now, she's not able to ver- verbalize myself, 
do myself or I do it myself. Um, but yeah, when you hit the twos, there is more of like the reasoning sets in where they are able to communicate it more and they fully want to do it themselves. Although I also remember like my, my son, when he was a baby, he wanted me to do like everything for him as far as like if I was going to sit there and hold the bottle, why should he hold it himself? And he would put his arms, like, straight down, whereas other kids would, and my niece goes to grab the bottle and basically feed herself, and she'll sit there and hold it. Colby's arms would literally go straight down, and his head would go, like, straight up into the sky, like, no, you go ahead and do it. You can feed me. (laughs) And I've seen me and Colby have more of a back and forth about him doing things on his own than, I mean, obviously he was also my first, so he's, you know, he's just a guinea pig, um, than my daughter who wants to do everything herself and then also do everything for Colby. Like she's all about putting him in his car seat and latching him in and helping feed him and cleaning the table. I mean, she's on her own. She is, she's more like me where she had very little, she has very little need for parents. And to me, it's just so interesting to watch how different all the kids are and how they're, you know, and how they act in the same, you know, during the same phases. And um, it's just pretty wild. And as a parent, it's like, do you latch on to them? Because a lot of parents latch on to their kids and can't break free and still remain independent. It's like this really interesting mix that we talk about all the time on on the shows about how to balance that and when you should step in as a parent and when you should step out. And if you have a twin sister who does everything for you, that's that that also changes the dynamics a little bit. <laughs> I'm just having visions of how, you know, my son would just walk out and we had he had his twin sister to take his jacket and his bag out of nursery school so um if someone's going to it depends on the child if someone's if you i used to work for a, a physician and he was a big slob and i'm like how did your mother deal with you and he said my mom picked up everything he said i would take my shirt off and toss it in the air and she was a foot behind me to catch it and i said that's good to know for when i'm a parent i'm not picking up the clothes cause right Exactly. It just start. It just starts on that on that pathway, and that that's what that's what they expect. And you know, I know you are really um, even more further than a lot of parents with really encouraging independence. And, we, and we've talked about this before with you on the shows. And um, and you have this rule where your kids have to put their clothes in the in the hampers. That that that's not even an option for them not to. It's probably from that story I worked for the gentleman years ago. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I I want my children to have everything in the world, just like most parents. Um, and especially when you you live in a community where a lot of um, their, you know, their classmates or the people they grow up with are a lot more fortunate. It's, it's it's to me. I find it even more work to be to make them even more grounded. And mm-hmm. you know, we have the luxury. We have um, a, a nanny that lives with us during the week, and so a lot of stuff is picked up after them. And so it's not always going to be that way. So I have to kind of be a little bit more drill sergeant when it comes to having them labeling chores. And that's one of the gems I was talking about. You know, you have to set the set the t- you know 
set expectations um, and, you know, you have to encourage the independence even from an, a baby age by setting the expectations. And, and, and it's, it goes back to cleanup time. Right. You know, you put your toys away afterwards. And if you continually and do that, you're, you're, you're getting them to, to be able to clean up their own toys, which is another definition of independence. They're taking right. care of their own things. Right. And it all expands. Well, Dennis Waitley, who I really don't, I really didn't look further into who he is, but he said this quote, which is, the greatest gifts you can give your children are the roots of responsibility and the wings of independence. So I think what you're saying about setting up structure, setting up chores, um, and having certain expectations does basically give them a grounded approach to being independent and having freedom, where it's like they know they know the score, and this is how I remember basically growing up with my parents was they set they set parameters, and I could basically go in between as as free as I want, and it it create but and they weren't on top of me. Um, I would have really gone nuts if I had a parent who was constantly overbearing and on top of me. Um, and I think it's a matter of showing your children how to do things for themselves because that's the natural that's the natural course of things, is that the more that we grow up, the more responsibility we do assume, and you have to learn how to fend for yourself, how to feed yourself, how to, um, you know, we, we can talk about potty Potty train, training being a huge step, stepping stone to independence. Um, how to go out and earn a living and do a job, and you know, moving into the the next phase of when you're given the wings to independence is when you do start going out into the world and leaving leaving the nest. When you start school, when you start camp, um, when you have your first sleepover or drop off party. You need to know kind of what to do when your mom and dad leave. And I see that my mom is now call, <laughs> calling in. How fitting. Okay, so hang on one second. I'm going to bring mom on. Oh, awesome. Hello? <laughs> Hello. Hi, Mama. <laughs> Hello, you guys. Hi, Mama. Hi, Cynthia. Hi. Hi, Mama. Hi. I love listening to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, and listening to both of you sort out what is your role as a parent in the sense of uh, helping your child establish independence and yet creating the structure and, and the responsibility. I mean, I love it because I think about <laughs> that all the time. <laughs> right. Right. It's, well, it, it's... It's on the it's on the forefront of of every parent's mind when you're looking at with your children and what to do with them. And I think if we just had our children's inner home 24/7 or ne never let them leave, it might be a little bit different than than when you have them interacting with other children and in other situations with adults and authority figures and teachers and counselors and um, waiters and waitresses and other people where they have to know how to. Interact 
interact and what the expectations are when you go out to a restaurant and how to and how to behave and what each person's role are. And, you know, in, in the blog this week, I actually quote you and Dad, because I remember you, you and Dad constantly telling me that you're going to be there for me, but you weren't going to do things for me. You would be there to encourage me and to support me, but I still had to go and do things myself, that you weren't going to go out and, you know, do everything for me. You might help lay down the paving stone so I could take leaps, but I still had to take a leap. Like kind of how, Melissa, you were saying, you know, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Exactly. Just like now, I listen to your show, but I'm not doing the show. <laughs> right. <laughs> that would be like the Mama Mama Pearl show. <laughs> very interesting to a couple in session uh, just yesterday that no matter how much you think you know your child you have to watch who they are in this moment right. because they're not the same as they were last week right. and not to have the kid that's in your head that you interact with but the kid that's in front of you and I gave the example of how can it be these mothers where they have this kid, they, they're in jail, they've just done a million terrible things, uh, and everybody's complaining, and they go, but my, my son is a good boy. Where, how, is, how does that disconnect happen? And basically, I think, I don't know, maybe the theorists would have to come in, that the mother is looking at the little boy when he was maybe two years old and right. not the person who's in front of her. And I think the hardest thing is, I mean, these wonderful, adorable kids, these babies as they grow up, to constantly looking who they are now. What are they focused on now? What are they doing now? Um, every, what are their needs now? And um, I want to add that piece. <laughs> no, I, th I think. No, I, 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 think I, I, I agree, and it's interesting because when I think about when I, I think about my years in camp, and both uh -huh. of you <laughs> remember, remember those you. years vividly. <laughs> I felt always like I was a whole new person when I would come back from camp, like starting the new school year. I felt like I grew up a lot, and uh, and I don't know if it was just that bridge or gap in time over the summer. But I think when you do get away from your parents, you have a lot more ability to, to, to be independent. Um, and fortunately, my parents put me in a, in a situation where there were other people watching over me, but I was able to definitely stretch my independence a little bit more. Um, one of the examples I'll use in my column is the counselors never said, if you were standing at the edge of, on the lake, get ready to go water skiing, for example, the counselors weren't there saying, be careful, watch your step, it's deep. <laughs> the counselors and your teammate, your bunkmates were saying, you can do it, go, 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 and rooting you on. And so taking the next step or challenging yourself or taking risks really came over the summer because people were there watching you, but they were also supporting you and not thinking from a mommy perspective. You also 
had that during the year in school, constantly, academically, and socially. I think what happens is that you're away for the summer, you're away for two months, you've had all these experiences, you've had all these challenges, and then you come back to parents who remember you before you left. Right. So the parents mm-hmm. have to catch up. What happened to you now? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. And, yeah. and okay, so we just need to back up and, and give camp a more, more proper introduction. <laughs> okay. So, because, Sorry. Yeah, I mean, come on. Let, let's, let's, give, let's give credit where credit's due. Because camp was, at least for me, such a huge building block in my own pathway to really finding myself. And it is where Melissa and I met, all of the ripe old age of of 11, and we just had just such amazing journeys through camp. And I remember, like, I'm writing on Facebook about camp, and somebody wrote back, was like, I didn't go to camp. Am I missing out? You know, like, yeah, Yeah. you're deprived. (laughs) You are so deprived if you don't go to camp. But I say that, I say that part joking because everybody has their place, and obviously there are other things to do with your summers besides go to camp. And I was one of the few, my few friends from home and from school who actually went off to camp. So it was like summer would come around and they were making their plans about going to the beach and what they were doing for the summer. And it was like they would look at me like, I'm going to camp. And they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's right, you go to camp. And for me, it was so cool to have that change of scenery and to have a different set of friends and a totally different environment that I can go in and relate to. And granted, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's not like lost boys where it's like you're running wild and building your own fires and all, well, some camps are, but not ours. And, um, and it is a structured environment that you're, that you are going into. You, you are putting your age group, much like schools, you have your counselors, there's a whole hierarchy within the, the, within the staff system at camp that they have the younger counselors, the older counselors, the group leaders, your camp owners, your instructors, that you have different instructors and specialists, quote specialists. I was one of the specialists when we got to that phase. But like for volleyball or for swimming or for soccer or for boating. And it's just much more of a physical atmosphere where school is much more academic and mental that it's a different way to express yourself and you're, and you're, you're utilizing different um, skills than you ordinarily do during the year. And even social interactions, it is just different. And, yeah, you are going to camp and you are in a bunk and they do become your, your cheerleaders throughout it. And you do have to, especially during what we call color war, which the whole camp is divided into two teams and, you're, and it is a major competition, and we, Melissa and I can just go on for days of talking about camp and color war. But to, to sum it up, it's more like it's just a different atmosphere. And, again, you're using different sides of yourself than you do at home with your parents in the school environment. And even if you play sports, which I did and very few of my campy girlfriends did, um, but when you, you know, it's just a, very different focus of your development 
And did I mention you are away from your parents for now at the summer sessions like six weeks and our time it was eight weeks, but for about eight weeks. And from the moment where either you step on the bus or your parents, like my parents drove me up to camp and would drop me off there, it's just a huge feeling. And you do have that still those same social anxieties about what is it going to be like? Am I going to have friends? Am I going to like it? I'm going to be without my parents for the summer. You know, you do go through all of that. And camp time, and I talk about this in the blog too, camp time is not like school time. Like you, the, your days and out, your hours are like days. The days are like weeks. Your weeks are like months. And the months are like years. So in that six to eight weeks that you're away, you're really away for like eight years. <laughs> so you do do a huge step in development. And even though you're away from your parents, you know, back in the day when Melissa and I went to camp, there wasn't, you know, you didn't bring your cell phone, and I don't know what they do now, but you didn't bring your cell phone. You didn't have access to email. I think by like our last summer was finally when they had the computer room and you, and you could email, but that wasn't something that we did. None of our parents had email addresses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Our parents, you know, they didn't get email addresses until like two years ago. But um, when, and forget about cell phones and knowing how to text. And my dad still does in all caps. But anyway, digressing. Um, so when you're in camp, you still wait for your parents to send you mail and postcards. And I would get like so mad at my parents if I didn't get like three letters a week and I saw my, my fellow campers get um, get a ton of mail or packages and you waited for to get packages, which was like such a huge thing. And I remember like, you know, writing home to you, mom, being like, mom, please send me a package. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you did and you try and sneak in food, but you, you were like one of the moms who didn't want to sneak food because it wasn't allowed, but I still tried to convince you and be like, mom, you just kind of like sneak the gum in the maxi pads. <laughs> and... And you also waited for your parents to call. You couldn't call home, but your parents could call the camp. And that was like the funniest thing, where you'd be wherever you were during the day, if you were in in the mess hall having your lunch, or if you were out in the soccer field, or you were out during during just your break time or in the swim pool, and you would hear somebody being paged, and literally you would see that kid fly across wherever it was running at full steam to go answer the phone to talk to their parents. So while you were independent, you still had like your your parents, at least I did, like in the back of my mind somewhere. Sometimes it was really, really far back. But, you know, you were still there. And yeah, when you would pay, when you would come for visiting day even, um, which visiting day was literally the day when the parents would come up and see the kids it is like a whole reorientation process and like, you know, a new like meet and greet. And particularly more so when you'd pick a pick, you know, Val and I up at the end of the summer to really get reorient reorientated to life at home. So that is a little bit about the camp experience and there's a lot that goes into the, those eight years <laughs> in a summer at camp. I just realized I had to make my own bed, which was. <laughs> right. I wasn't excited about that independence. Right, and we did. We had inspection. And you want to you talk about the work wheel? 
Oh, sure. Well, I was I was saying, you know, a lot of the stuff you learn about independence, I really learned a lot in camp. Um, one of the things I, I talk about this week is the diplomatic resolution. You really, you're living with um, 10 to 12 other girls and two counselors who now I realize were more concerned about, you know, hanging out with the other uh, boy counselors, but at the time you think they're much older and wiser. And... Uh, <laughs> You need to be diplomatic. You're living amongst other people. You're sharing a very small cabin. Um, and bunk beds. And bunk beds. And you're living, co- you have to live cohesively. Not only do you have to keep be accountable for your own stuff and responsible for your own items, you, there's a bunk inspection where you really have to count on each other to make sure you pass inspection. Because if you don't pass inspection, I don't remember what happens. They, but they kept you in the bunk. They kept and you in the bunk until you... It was before dinner time, so you couldn't go to dinner, which, you know, some nights who cared, and a lot of times we didn't care and we would <laughs> just wait. And there was also <laughs> prizes, if you remember, like if you had best, best, you know, best, yeah. best, best bunk, of the bunk, week. bunk of the week, you had like extra canteen or like extra time out, you know, past Make your own you. Sunday. Right, exactly. So those, and those are big deals. Like, I'm sorry, <laughs> when you're starving at camp, like, having an ice cream sundae is a huge, huge deal because you don't get that every day. I also think there was a lot more rules at camp that you had to apply to than at home, basically. And for me, the biggest one was making my bed. <laughs> um, <laughs> not a big bed maker. Um, but And you have to also wake up. But you also have to negotiate and, and live cohesively, and you have to be diplomatic. And so we used to have the work wheel, and so that was the, the fairest way was whoever had the worst job, like sweeping or doing the, the clothing line, you got your first shower. So you were guaranteed some hot water, and you were dressed quickly and out the bunk and down in the field hanging out with the other guy, with the boys. Right, exactly. um, versus if you had the lame job, like I forget what it was, Dustpan. Dustpan. I didn't, uh, I didn't so much mind dustpan because it was just like everybody else has to sweep and I just had to like collect it. So I didn't But really then you got it. like the 10th shower. So you had a cold shower and two seconds to get ready before dinner. <laughs> well, we can talk about like personal hygiene in camp on another show. <laughs> <laughs> if you chose to shower. Right, exactly. If you so chose to shower. And it was, but here's the other thing about first shower because of electricity, we did bring our hair dryers up to camp, and with like 10 hair dryers going at, going at the same time, we blew out our electricity like all the time. So that was, a, if you got for a shower, you actually got to actually blow dry your hair. If you're down later in the line, guarantee you we blew the fuse before you got to it. So that was, that was another, another reason and extra added incentive. Yeah, and I just felt like I got to make a lot more decisions or or make decisions for myself. Like I pretended I had asthma so I didn't have to play soccer or go horseback riding. Oh, you stinker. But these were decisions I made. I was independent to decide that I did not want to do those activities and what can I do to get out of them. Okay, see, this this was this was my issue with going I to, quote, a Jackie camp. I thought you too. But I was such a tomboy. Like, I, I love... Cynthia decided what? that kind of stuff when she didn't want to take tests. She was down in the nurse's <laughs> office. Different. She had a headache. <laughs> totally different. <laughs> yeah, but there were consequences. Cause they... 
There were more consequences during the school year. Right, exactly, than, than at camp if you don't want to play soccer. I mean, you know, our, our, the version of the girls playing soccer was just like, it was just a joke. Yeah, there, were, there were no Vuvuzuelas playing while we were playing soccer. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not a soccer person. I am a volleyball girl, and I love softball. And I remember, like, playing softball and um, – or, like, when we would have intercamp where basically other camps would come and we would compete against them in different sports. And I remember I was running all over the field because nobody knew how to play. And I was, like, the only one being a Tom girl who, who really wanted to play, and I'm competitive, and I really wanted to win. So, but I remember, like, teaching everybody, and especially Lauren. How, she, Lauren was playing first base. I just totally remember this. And teaching, teaching her how to play. And the same with when I played, played volleyball and later on became the volleyball instructor, where I really trained the girls at camp, how to play volleyball, and they were really good and used to win all the all the inner camps. So I was I was very proud of that, but it was very frustrating for me, being a tom girl and being physical, um, you know, a physically active person. Like not like I should have been playing with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't mind the activity if the um, if the instructor was I don't know cute. cute. Yeah, <laughs> if, if he was cute and one of the the euros because they had a big program where they would um, they bring bring um, counselor yeah counselors in Camp from America Camp America where they bring counselors in from Europe and then we did have a lot of cute boys. And well, I'm um, finding it really interesting. <laughs> oh yeah, Scott Mom was on the line. No, <laughs> I'm lied. Well, I like a while longer. What can I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> I like arts and crafts too, Gail. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, that it's so amazing how you can jump back into that time. But now mm-hmm. you're both mothers. Mm-hmm. So how are you dealing with your children? It's summertime. Your children are in activities right now. How are you dealing when your children come home from the activities? Come home from the activities? Um, well, it's interesting because one of my girlfriends asked, said, are you sending the kids to camp this week? And I said, yeah. <laughs> and I said, why? She said, well, it's going to be so hot. I'm just concerned that they're going to be too hot. I said, that is just the meanest thing to do. I said, they love camp. This is the they believe me. They're not going to leave them on a soccer field for five hours. I'm sure they'll put them inside and hydrate them. Give them some arts and crafts projects under the fans. But no, I, I being someone who's been to camp and knows it's the best time of your life, whether you're four years old in a day camp or older in a sleepaway camp. No matter whatever the activity is, I just feel like. I could never take that away from them. And I, when when I drop them off in the morning, I'm so confident, and, and I know that my kids are having a great day. And I see the smiles on the day one of camp. They came home smiling. So um, as long as they're coming home with smiles, and I know they put in a full days of fun and activity, I let them chill afterwards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you know, the thing that Melissa and I are planning, which our kids don't know yet, is that when our kids go off to sleepaway camp, Melissa and I are going too. <laughs> Melissa and I are already I planning, like... who was going to go. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think you know we're gonna we're planning on going and working at camp for the summer and being there. And from experience of having your mother being at camp, you came. You basically started coming to camp um, later on when Val started coming to camp. And I didn't mind it at all. Like you were there, but you really did keep your distance and you kept to yourself and you know once in a while I'd sneak in for some um for some food my but little refrigerator right yeah yeah your little refrigerator and secret stash I, of food but coming in and out of my refrigerator all the time yeah but you really did keep your distance and respect to the boundaries and I don't think you re- and and you also with the counselors I remember you telling me like you didn't want to want to hear if there was a problem like it was up to them to figure out do you want to tell that story, the classic one? Which one? With Dave? <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> he comes running over to me. He's, his, Dave is one of the camp owners. His face is red. Steam is coming out of his ears. And he's telling me how bad you you are. All these things you were doing and how what, he's what specifically trying. what specifically was I doing? You were in the boys' bunk, <laughs> <laughs> and how it's against the rules and how he's trying to punish you and nothing is phasing you. And I looked at him and I said, "Did Cynthia and you used to have a, a signal that you would give out where you would take your hand and flip your hair back?" And I knew that signal because you would do it to me all the time, which meant I'm not listening to you anymore. I, I, I totally dismissed you. And I said, did she do that? And he said, yeah. I said, well, she didn't listen to you anymore. <laughs> and he said, what? And I said, well, if I'm not here, what would you do? And right. he, he he ran off. I, I You know, he thought I was the most horrendous negligent mother and uh, I remember one time um, a year or so later that the camp owner took me aside and he told me that the first year I was up there because I refused to interfere with whatever they had to do with you as a counselor or as camp owners um, he, he uh, the owner said to me I thought you were such a negligent mother you wouldn't interfere you wouldn't um, do anything, you wouldn't run in there and do anything and, but what turns out is that you are a really diligent mom and I'm going to learn from you and wow. I said it's knowing the proper time and place when to be there and when you're interference and I would have been interference if I ran to you right. and told you don't you dare do that without you having to take whatever the camp rules would be. Right. And they would have to And besides, be like, you know, yeah. Yeah. besides for them, like, get over it. So it's hanging out in the boys' bunks. <laughs> you know, like, big deal. Well, you know, it, for them, but the rules are owners the rules. and insurance and it's parental right. responsibility. I know, I know. They have to be very serious about those rules. Yeah, you I know. know. Uh, and that's very, very important. However, it was important for them to deal with you, not bring me in. I mean, they could have called up, you know, your dad and had dad call from home. 
But to have right. me being there, working there, then interfering as mom would have right. been a real conflicting of conflict and roles. And it would have really had you not listen to authority even more because your mom is there and you don't have to. So, right. you know, you can't do those things. And, um, yeah, I'll never forget his face. <laughs> That's really funny. You know. But, you know, this this is kind of going into also the next phase, of, of which I label as throwing stones, and it's really about letting go. And when you have the separation and the time and the experience like at camp, um, it's both of letting go from the child side and from the parent parental side of letting your kids go off, saying goodbyes, letting them go explore, and knowing that they're going to be okay on their own. You know, I would think probably the, the bigger phase, you know, just aside from the summers of camp, is if your kids go off to college or if they do a summer abroad, I'm mm-hmm. not a summer abroad, but study abroad or something like that, and being able to let go and, and have that faith and trust in your, in your child. Yeah, you know, but you also are preparing your child as they are growing into the stages giving them more and more responsibilities. It's not all of a sudden, okay, I trust you, bye. You you are preparing them as they grow, little at a time. It's not an all of a sudden one-shot deal. But I want to say another side of the coin, which I have seen, where kids are having a fabulous time up in camp, and then when the parents call or they see the parents, they start crying how awful and... They're, they're right. homesick and they're dying. And many times the kids do that because the parents need that. The parents send off so many signals that you need me. And the, and the children will all of a sudden turn it on for them. Right. And the second parents right. leave, they're fine. But, yeah, and it's a very interesting dynamic how kids know what their parents need. So parents right, need because to give the signal, I'm happy for you, for you to be happy. And a lot of parents need their kids to need them. Right. And to have them... It's the de- Right, it's the reverse dependency. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know. But I have to go. Um, okay, Mama. Show, guys. Oh, great to have you on here. Thanks for joining. Take care. Bye-bye. Right, Bye. So love you. That was Mama. <laughs> if you can't tell, my mom's a therapist. Basically, I am a, I am a product of a truck driver and a therapist. Um, but what, one thing I did want to make sure that I, um, that I mentioned and give proper credit to is the artwork that you will see, the beautiful picture on the Mama's Pearls blog, Stepping Stones, this week of the the wonderfully mysterious woman standing on the stepping stones, is um, is courtesy of Henning Ludvigsen, and his website is www. H H E N N I N G L U D V I G S E N dot com and and Henning is a digital artist and I just love it that so perfectly perfectly captures the mood of of 
the mysterious mood of stepping stones. So, um, so just getting back, because I think we're at the point where we've, we've said goodbye, we've gone off to college, now it's time to really rock out. Mom's gone. Mom's off the phone. We can really rock out now in college. And I think a lot of kids and 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 students get caught in the trap of um, of overdoing it, where it's like they go into this rebellious rocking out phase and don't come back from it <laughs> so quickly. Um, and in college, we could have we could have doubled this as is the the getting stoned phase of stepping stones too. Um, and you know, in in just taking taking a look back of the pathways that, that we've laid um, with which each, each step that we've taken from being a baby and then going off to college as both your role from, you know, me having walked that, that pathway and now I'm on the other side where now I am a parent um, and no, I don't yet feel the freedom, um, but of being a parent and preparing my kids, it's, you know, I want them to rock out, but in a fun, in a fun, healthy way. And I see, um, I see some people, especially in the entertainment industry and sports industry, when they manage other talent and, um, and you know, both artists and athletes and, and actors and producers, you know, you're, you're in a world where you're really rocking out. And obviously that, you know, that may come past the college phase and into your working phase. But it's, it's really important to remember something that my parents told me, which was, you know, Cynthia, you can go out now, but you might have this other thing to do. And just remember, there will always be another party. And not to get lost in the party atmosphere, but still taking root in what your responsibilities are at that phase in your life, which if you're in college, is obviously to study and to do well and to pass your tests and to get good grades so you can either, you know, advance and graduate and get your degree, and if you want to, like me, being a nerd, go on and um, go on to to law school. So, you have any uh, rocking out gems? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, and this is where the balance comes in. Where this is a big problem, especially with this generation, is you know, are we protecting our children too much and not letting them? And let's just be blunt, screw up a little bit because. You know, I too, during my college years, I did some screw-ups and it was probably the best thing for me because, you know, I did it early enough in life to not have major repercussions and just for balance, I didn't like rob a bank or anything. It was just (laughs) basic hoopla. But really, you know, you have to kind of let them go and fall a little bit. And, and, and for the young, for the moms out there with young children, you know, my daughter loves the monkey bars and she wants me to help her. But at the same time, I'm not going to put two hands and make and make her think it's impossible for her to fall down. Right. Obviously, we don't want to go to the emergency room. But explain, you know, this is how you do it. You give them as much direction and as much help as you can, but then you have to let go. You have to loosen the reins and kind of, let them go, and sometimes they do fall down, and that's okay. Um, the best part is we're there to pick them back up, but we can't, as your mom said and your dad said, they're not going to, you know, as, they're not going to do it for you, and they're also not going to immediately fix your problems. They'll help you figure out how to fix your problems, but that those those twenty years, they're the toughest years because those are the years where you you, you kind of have the get out of jail free card to screw up a little bit. 
Um, but if you have parents that don't let you kind of experiment and get out there a little bit, it happens later in life. You know, it, what happens is it happens when you're too old to, to mess up. Right. So I think it's a balance. We want to encourage our kids to figure out things on their own, but at the same time we really don't want to see them hurt emotionally or physically. But at the same time, that's really what teaches lessons. And, you know, if it doesn't break you, you know, what doesn't, what, what's the saying? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Exactly. And so some of those, those, those rocking out years have really helped make me a better person. <laughs> right. And, and you do learn a different set of boundaries of what your, what your limits are. And I just want to say that um, the show is going to stop streaming live, but it's still going to be recorded. So if you are listening, you'll have to go back into the archives to listen to the, the end of the show. But we're going to continue for maybe about another five five minutes or so just, to, just so we can wrap up here. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you learn, a, you learn a different set of boundaries when you're in the rocking, rocking out phase and you're having other um, other relationships, just even interpersonal with your friends, and it's you know it's getting into a different phase, or you're having different boyfriends. Maybe your boyfriends or girlfriends during that phase are a little bit more serious, and then your camp boyfriends or you know your school your high school boyfriends. Unless you went on like a, like a bunch of my friends and actually married your high school high school sweethearts, um, you're out there and it's it's a different it's a different phase. And eventually, you you find yourself um, start embarking on your career and or hitting hitting what I call the boulder phase, which is the phase of of marriage, where you are you're setting up you're setting up your boulder, you're setting up your rock, you're setting up um, your new unit, your new your new structure in in life, and um, you know, and, and obviously, some people don't get married. But you know, in the ordinary course of societal norms, it's still that's still kind of the pathway, and it's the pathway that you know both you and I, both you and I have chosen. And I remember in the rocking out phase was in a phase where I finally really felt very independent, I had my stride, I had my groove on, I was, um, it was really for me where I was in, in law school and I like had it under my belt and I was just, I was really just hitting my stride as, as me. And I was not looking for a boyfriend, let alone to get married at the time and, and in walks, <laughs> in walks my husband, my future husband. And, um, you know, to go back from that mindset of really feeling independent and into a serious relationship um, was was an interesting transition for me at the time, and it was also I was coming into it from from being a very independent person. So setting up the the foundations for what was going to be our marriage, which for me still still had to. Um, and we've talked about this before in Mama's Pearls where, you know, I still had to maintain my own independence in the things and my interest and pursue, you know, my career and things for myself. But working as a dependent sort of structure on each other um, as a marital couple and then later as a family unit was, you know, was a whole different phase and a whole different ball game to, to grasp. Um, how did it work for you guys? 
for me. Yeah, I mean, when where were you in your, in your developmental phase when when you met your hubby? Well, I, you know, it's interesting. Everyone always talks about the famous line from Jerry Maguire where he says, "You complete me." And the truth is, someone very wise said to me, no, no, that's the worst way to go into a marriage is to find someone that completes you. What you need to do is you need to complete yourself, Mm -hmm. and when you complete yourself, then you can go get married because if you're not a strong force as a single unit, you're not going to be a strong force as a a team. You know, a marriage is basically a teamwork, and so they shouldn't complete you. They should um, complement you. And so um, I think... The the famous C word in Mama's Pearls. Yes. (laughs) But I I think, you know, definitely in the beginning years, I didn't have that approach or I doubted myself a little bit. But I think the more work I've put into the marriage and the more faith I've put into the marriage, um, I I, I have gained more independence. I've I've reinforced my independence uh, because, again, as a mother and a, and a wife, if you don't remain an independent side of yourself, mm-hmm. you're going to get, you know, lost in the shuffle. And uh, that's 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 the key, to, to make sure you take care of Mama. And I think we talk about that every week, make sure yeah. you take care of Mama. And, and next week we're going to talk about it even more so because Liz Stern, who is the founder and creator of Delicious Moms, Mm. Yeah, she's going to be our special guest next week. So we are going to be full out talking about mama independence and being glamorous and delicious, even when you're a mom with babies. Um, uh, Alyssa Stern's motto is kind of like, just because you have babies don't mean you have to hang up your stilettos. So that's going to be amazing. And her website is www.divamoms.com. So... Now that mom is an independent person, dad's an independent person, we move on from the boulder phase into the little pebbles phase, which takes us back to where we started about talking about our little rugrats and making sure that they have all their what they need to be independent um, independent beings in this world and you know we, we we'll talk about kids forever on mama's pearls but I think to sum it all up is a quote by Malcolm Stevenson Forbes. And he's really talking about more about diversification and having diversity in a culture. Um, However, he says, diversity, the art of thinking independently together. And I think that beautifully encapsulates and strings together all the many, many different stepping stones that we have in our lives and through our own family unit as growing up as a child and then on your own with your friends in all the different aspects of yourself that you've come to know and explore as you grow up and particularly when you are a parent with your own little pebbles. (laughs) is knowing how we can all be independent but still be together. And yes, does that necessarily mean there is freedom? I think that the most freedom that can be gained and had and felt is when you are truly yourself, your fully independent self in whatever structure that whatever structure that you are in. Um, I don't think we can avoid structure in this lifetime or in this, you know, at least in the society that that we're living in. It's just kind of part of the deal. Um, But learning how to really go forth forth with that 
in being your true authentic self. So that about wraps it up for the Mama's Pearls radio show this week. And Melissa, you've given a little bit of um, of foresight about what we're going to be expecting for M's Gems. Um, and, you know, we're going to be publishing M's Gems on Friday, so I encourage everyone to to um to check back with us on Friday for the Emgen's posting but is there any 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 bit more that you want to give to to tie it up I can't give it all away so <laughs> you always say that you're such a tease I know but I gave a lot more than I usually give away so you know I hope I uh, we, lo- we look for spinning the work wheel <laughs> I wish they used it at work sometimes. My meetings would be half the time. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And I also and I've seen a lot of families actually use that in their houses when they're delegating chores is putting the work wheel. And just so you guys know, it's not the work wheel isn't a big mystery. It's two paper plates on top of each other fastened by like a paper, you know, a paper fastener and that has outline on the bottom plate is your name. Uh, or you can do it either way. The bottom plate is your, either your name or the chore, and the top plate is either your name or the chore, the opposite one, and literally you spin it each day, and it lines up with what the name is and the chore. So it's a beautiful thing to work with So um, just a reminder again to vote for Mama's Pearls as the most in- inspiring blog at www.socialluxlounge.com. Vote once a day through July 11th. Um, you can email me, Cynthia, at mamaspearls.com, or you can email Melissa at melissa at mamaspearls.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Cintweet. You can always capture the M's Gems blog and the Mama's Pearls blog at www.mamaspearls.com. You can listen to any of the past shows here at Mama's Pearls, the radio show at www.blogtalkradio.com slash Mama's Pearls. And we will soon be also be launching the shows and having them available on iTunes. So that about wraps us up today. I think now Melissa and I are going to get back to our day jobs and we're going to get ready for, for next week's, um, I think we're going to call it Mamalicious. I like, Ooh, that. I like that. Right? Isn't that cool? That's, that's a take on little Divalicious and we'll focus specifically on Mamalicious. So we will see you all next week. And this is Cynthia and Melissa of Mama's Pearls reminding you to enjoy your children and your family. Say I love you. And remember to take life step-by-step, day-by-day, moment-to-moment, and you too will find the ultimate pathway to happiness for yourself. Bye, everyone. Have a great week. You too. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Love you, Melissa.